Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Good on FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. And I'm the man at the controls, Al Warren. Um, Co-hosting today, we've got Eric Shapiro, the doctor. How you doing, Al? I'm delicious. Good to be here. Oh, excellent. Just the way I like you. Yeah, <laughs> and we've got uh, a newbie that we're breaking in hard, uh, David North <laughs> Martino. Hey, Al, there. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, David? Yeah. Hey. Now you know why he has to drink. Yes. Uh, right. <laughs> that's a recent thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Know, I'm going to pour one right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> that, that, that would be a good time. He sits, yeah, right. with, he sits with his pussy and drinks. Right. <laughs> Fair, he, enough. Fair enough. He's a yeah. cat aficionado, and yes. he's got a uh, he's a, he's a he's a, do- a caddy dog, like a, or a oh, caddy man. daddy, whatever you call them. Oh, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't have imagined you meaning anything else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's me. My cat is coming to see me as we uh, as we're talking about this. You yeah. called Excellent. him. Okay. I love, it. <laughs> love good 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 cats. Now <laughs> today we are talking to speaking of horror. We're talking, um, <laughs> Martino, you're a horror author, so, you, so we've got another one here. Um, Absolutely. Written a ton of books. Uh, Greg F. Gafuni, um, thank you for being oh, here. Oh, it's Gafuni. It's Gafuni. Greg F. Gafuni, thank you for being here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We'll see if you say that at the end. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, let's see. Yeah, well, so now you've got a couple of new books out, but uh, before we get into that, um, let's, let's go back to, to where it all started. Like, talk about 
how, how did you get into um, writing and writing horror? Like, was this something you did from a kid, or is this something that just came along lately, or where, where did it come from? Uh, it was a little bit of both, actually. I, 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 I come from a family of teachers. My parents were both teachers, so I, had a, I was introduced very early on to, a, to books and reading. And I, could, you know, I could read before I went to school. Um, and writing was always something that just kind of came to me. I, it was just something I always did. Um, even before I could write, I have an older sister and I used to dictate things to her and she would write them down. Um, oh, nice. uh, and she was thrilled when I learned how to write, trust me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it just was sort of a natural thing for me to, to get things out of me to write. Um, and I, as for horror, I, I never, it's interesting. I never really started off to be a horror writer. I still don't really consider myself a horror writer. I just, I just consider myself a writer. I, I'm, I mostly work in horror and crime, but I, and I, and I mean, I don't have any, um, sometimes the communities get upset when you say that because you're, you're denigrating. And I don't, I don't mean it like that. It's just, I just kind of write what I write and it's whatever category people want to put it into. That's fine. Um, it's, it's generally I, pretty dark though, isn't it? it, it when you say yeah. it's consistent across your novels, whether it's crime it is, or, yeah. Or, or, yeah. Um, very, yeah, it's, I mean, when I do crime, I'm doing more of the Jim Thompson stuff, not, you know, cozy mysteries. So, right, yeah, it's right. pretty dark stuff. But it, it's uh, in terms of how I get into it, I it just sort of was something that I always wanted to do. Um, and I did it, you know, as, as an amateur for growing up. And and then I my life kind of went in a different direction. And um, I got involved in some other things. Um, and I had to kind of find my way back, um, which I did um in my early 30s and uh, uh decided to give it a, a real shot professionally and you know i was married at the time and i was coming off of a company that i w- had owned and had done fairly well so i said to my wife you know look if i don't try this now i'm never gonna and so she said she had she was working her way up the corporate ladder at the time and she said well you know that was five years so and i said well it sounds fair so <laughs> She gave me five years and she said, if after five years, you haven't done anything. You got to go get a job and, you know, pursue it part time. And I said, fine. And four and a half years in, I sold my, my novel, my first novel. And that was uh, the bleeding season. Yeah. Yeah. Which really kind of put me on the map. So I just made it. <laughs> I, yeah. just got in, I just went under the wire. Oh, wow. And uh, what I, what I really love about Greg's uh, fiction guys is, um, I haven't read so much of the crime stuff, but on, on the end of the darker fiction, what some people call horror is it's, uh, it registers, registers to me more as surrealism. It's like, uh, it's kind of like a nightmare state, like a silent scream. And I remember, uh, the first book of yours I read was, um, I think it was the rain dancers. Um, okay. yeah. And, and which is a novella. And I remember what really made an impression on me was that and this, this uh, is the same for all your books. I think I've read like eight or 10 of them now. Uh, there's a saturated emotion from the first second to the last. Like, uh, and I, that, that's when I said, I'm like, okay, I'm really in the presence of a major leaguer. Like from, from beginning to end, it's incredibly immersive on the level of atmosphere and feeling, and it never lets up and you've got it under control the entire time. And, uh, of course, that's an intuitive call. Like not every reader is going to hear it or pick up what you're putting down, but I think it's, uh, potent in a way where that's why, why you've gotten on the map and it's, so I was curious to hear about that, you know, sort of being emotionally available to your writing and uh, right. how you bring those feelings across. Well, there's kind of a two, as you, you know this already, but there's, a, there's kind of two parts to everything that I write. There's the surface story, which I try to make 
you know, entertaining and I try to make it self-contained so that if people just want, if the reader just wants to experience that, great, you know, and hopefully it works for them. But then there's also a subtext. There's another story going on underneath. And if they want to get in there, they can get in there. And uh, that's where a lot of the real emotion comes from, I guess, for me. It's, it's just, I think Robert Dunbar, who wrote The Pines, who's a, a great writer, a good friend, he coined a, a term called, uh, uh, what, do you, what do you call the acting uh, method? Method. Oh, writing. yeah. A method writing. Like method yeah. acting. And yeah. when he said it, it really hit me because I thought, yeah, that's what I do. I didn't really realize that's what I did, but that's what I do. So are you um, on your own things? It's interesting because I think you're, you're often in the third person, aren't you? Is it because it always feels like Sometimes. the first person? Because I always uh, emotionally pick it up like it is the first person, whether you're in first or third. And I guess that goes hand in hand with what you're saying. It's like a method. You're tapped in at that angle. It's a, it's a method sort of process. Yeah, it goes back and forth. I mean, it just, it depends on what the, what the book calls for. I mean, certain things just lend themselves better to first person. Certain things lend themselves better to third. It just, you know, and there's times when it goes, I mean, the bleeding season is a good example. When I first wrote that, it was third person. I ended up, I got about a quarter of the way through it. I said, no, this has to be first person. God. Yeah. It's funny because I, I sometimes have uh, trouble remembering when I think back on your books, which is not in, in, not in any way a negative comment. It's just that because either way, either way, it's so on the axis of that emotional. Um, that emotional expression. Right. Well, yeah. I, I think if you don't hit that, it, I don't really, if you're not hitting that, then it's just, it's, it's all surface stuff, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's, for me, it's just, it's more of a purge, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, said, trying yeah. to get stuff out. <laughs> I'm trying to yeah, get things the hell out of me and that's the best way to do it. Yeah. I, found... I remember um, your, your novella Midnight Gods, which is more recent, which is more uh, a commentary on you know, the Trump years and in terms of uh, everybody being afraid and tribalism and partisanship. And uh, it's right. a story where there's a, uh, a virus um, or, or in, in other words, fear is functioning as a virus, like fear is a contagion right. in a community. And right. then it's implied that it goes beyond that community. I remember when I first read it, I felt like I was um, I think this is the word you ultimately use, but it was the feeling I had for sure. Like I was being smothered. I was like, oh, my God, he's getting to like a panic attack level of yeah. emotional potency. Yeah. It's like I'm having ice port, port all over me. And it's just the, the fact that you uh, as an artist can tap that always astonishes me. That is, uh, And I'm curious if you don't well, thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. If you don't mind speaking to like, uh, personally, and yeah, I don't want to overstep any boundaries, but is there a certain level of anguish or, or neurosis or something that that comes from that you're tapping into or like, um, like, are you, when you're in you know, that there, method, I'm sure there is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there, is. there has when, to be. Um, when you're in that method process, do you feel tormented? Is it difficult? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah I mean, without, you know, it's hard to talk about sometimes because you sound, you know, you don't, you don't want to sound, you uh, know, pretentious, pretentious but yeah. It, you know, but it's, it is, it's, it is torturous for me. I'm, I'm definitely in the Dorothy Parker camp. I hate writing. I love having written. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, the process itself is not, I always envy people when they say, Oh, I, you know, it's so much fun to write. And I wrote this story and it was so much fun. I think, wow, that must be awesome. That must be so cool. Oh, right. For yeah, me, it's, it's like, blast, I'm, yeah. I'm just, it's like, I'm, I feel like it's, you know, I'm being pummeled with a bat through the whole thing. Oh, but then man, when it's, it's done, like... when it's done, I feel a sense of relief and I hopefully like what I end up with. Yeah, but yeah you, it's many, very it's very draining. How many novels are in the body of work now, and you include novellas of that? Like, how how many are there now? Uh, a little over twenty. Are there any? Because in my exposure to you, so I've probably read half of them, or just shy of half. And I've always thought they're they're 
dependably great. I mean, I, I always, I think your, your, uh, your ground game is fantastic. Are there any that you don't like or that you feel soft about? You know, honestly, no. Um, okay. Yeah. There's some I like better than others. Um, there was a, there were a couple that I, there was one that I wrote called Nightwork, which was actually the first novel I ever wrote. It was okay. the first published, but it was the first novel I ever wrote. <clears throat> that was initially published um, by a, a small house when I was starting out. And it, it, they made me do some, well, they didn't make me, but they're, they, I kind of made some changes to it that, that I didn't really like to kind of fit their, their, their deal. And I was kind of disappointed in that, but I, I got a chance, you know, a few years later uh, with uh, down and out books. They're, the, they're primarily my crime uh, uh, publisher, they re- reissued it as a like an anniversary, um, kind of like what what Journal Stone did with Bleeding Season, mm-hmm. um, and uh, allowed me to kind of do a preferred author's edition. So I was able to kind of get that. So I can say now, no, <laughs> but oh, I think God, the other God. thing, I, th- I think the other reason that I can say no is that I didn't start out that early. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't become a published, right? You know, I was what, in my mid to late thirties when I finally hit. So um, there was a long period of time there. There was a long learning curve. There was a, a lot of uh, many years of, of rejection and failure, um, which I think made me better and made me, um, it's one of the things that I think is unfortunate about the, the self-publishing craze today is that I think if you've established in other ways and then you do it, I think it's fine. But to, to not go through that, I think it's detrimental. You know, failure is good. Failure makes you stronger. Failure is what makes you better. Um, it's what challenges you. And it, it, it can bury you if you let it. But, and, you know, there were times it came close to burying me. I went through almost five straight years of it. Um, but you, you feel well, that I, as I a, think, how do you know that so for you personally i i had the similar i have the similar experience as you do to writing and i had the same experience about getting published finally and then doing some of my own but and the emotional drain and 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 the dislike kind of kind of the the struggle to get through it and then the relief when it's done um but with all of that when where do, where do you get the confidence to say, yeah, this is ready, and this is I want to publish this, or I, I you, do you know uh, what I'm saying? You know, to send a story in. You know, I, one of the, one of my mentors gave me the best piece of advice, which was when you if you're going to do this, be fearless. If you can't be fearless, get out of the game. Um, and it's okay to be afraid. That doesn't mean you can't be afraid. You can't be uncertain. It's not about being arrogant. But, you know, and I certainly am not comparing the two, but it's like, you know, my dad was a, was a World War II combat veteran. I said to him once when I was a little boy, weren't you afraid? And he said, well, yeah, anybody in their right mind was, you're terrified, but you won anyway. Wow. Yeah. You know, and that always stuck with me. And when this guy, this mentor of mine said that to me, it reminded me of that, you know, conceptually, again, I'm not comparing the two by any means, but it's, but the idea that if you wait around to be sure, <laughs> you know, hmm. and but you're totally you... confident in everything you do, you're, you're never going to do anything. Number one, 
And number two, you know, you know who's totally confident 100% of the time and thinks that they're geniuses? People that, that aren't. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, <laughs> the, the idea of being uncertain and of being, that's, that's, the pro, that's part of the process, man. That's part of being, that, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, I, think that's, I think you're better off having, they should be uncertain. But but how do you um, choose these emotional? Because uh, you're you're talking about uh, very emotional points in your books, uh, like they really right. come out. So how do you choose what you're going to share with the world? You know, I, I think I'd be lying to you if I said I do. I I it just I it just, I just do it. Whatever needs to come out, that's what I put down. Because I I always it's like when I mentor people now, I say, look, you can always edit, you can always take something out. You know what I mean? But don't ever be in a position where you didn't put enough in. So, you know, like, like Hemingway, you know, bleed all over the page. You can clean it up. You can, <laughs> you, can, you can mop up some of that if you don't want to use it later. So I tend to just put it all out there, and I try to be as fearless as possible. And, sure, I, look, I go through a process with every and – and it is literally – it's so common now that even I see it coming. It's kind of ridiculous, but I still go through it. Every book I write, every single one. Without fail, I hit a point where I do the whole, you know, George C. Scott used to do the same thing on every film. I just get blinding drunk and go into a rage and this book sucks. I suck. You know, <laughs> everything I do sucks. Why am I wasting my time with this? This is terrible. You know, that's when I, that's when I block uh, Greg on my phone when that happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I take yeah, Eric knows. Yeah. The friendship, yeah. yeah. Eric knows. When I hit that, yeah. Just, we'll yeah, yeah. That. I'll catch um, up with you later. Yeah, I'll see. You. I'll see you in a couple of days. But yeah, but yeah. Then once, you know, I just do that. It's it's. I've just sort of incorporated it as part of my process. You know, that there's going to be that doubt. There's going to be those things. Did I pick the right things? Am I? Am I? You know, is this too far? And you know, there's times when I and I'm sure you guys can relate to this. There's times when you're writing something that you're not. You know, it, it takes a certain type of personality to to live with a writer because you're not always pleasant when you're writing oh something, you're, you said you it know? yeah oh my god yeah yeah uh, you don't mean it you don't it's not directed at anybody it's just you're going through this thing trying to you know trying to do exactly what you just added where do i go with it what do i you know what do i put in what do i don't what do i allow myself to feel with this what do i pull back from and it's so i think it's but i think those are all good things i mean that's that's art man that's that's a you know it's an it's, an it easy, it's, a, it's a journey yeah but i mean it, i don't think it should be easy necessarily i think if I think if you're just kind of sitting back and flicking them out there, you know what I mean? I mean, it doesn't mean they're bad necessarily, but I mean, I don't really see the point of that myself. That's just me. Yeah. It's interesting you brought up uh, George C. Scott, because this one thing I was telling the guys before we all got on is that you're an atypical writer. I think this is something that you and I related on when we found each other on the scene. Like, you're not the guy... Um, at a cafe with glasses, like, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, no. you know, tapping out, you know, uh, you and I are like a pair of brutes. I'm like, you're, you're a tough, tougher guy. And like, it's interesting, George C. Scott, because he was tough as nails, but he was also, oh, yeah. and this applies to you too. He's very sensitive. He was a beautiful person. I mean, he, uh, I just watched the, uh, Exorcist 3 in the last couple months and, uh, it was like just Love the, uh, yeah, um, the blend. I mean, he's so tough and he commands total authority at the same time a totally, you know, emotionally present and sensitive, yep. just, just, yep. you know, just, there's a sweetness to him that's undeniable. Um, yep. And uh, I was wondering, on, on that note, an interesting question is, like, do you generally find yourself uh, mixing in with other writers? Um, uh, is, it, is it more, you know, it, I, I, obviously it depends on the writer, but is it, are, are writers the, the sort of crowd you rush toward, or do you sort of hang, hang at the back of the class? 
Um, I'm, I hang towards the back of the class. I'm more yeah. that guy. Yeah. Um, not that I have, I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily repelled by other writers, although there are yeah. a few. That, <laughs> but, uh, I just, I'm not big on the whole group dynamic. I never have been. Um, I don't like the whole sort of clicky kind of, um, I tend to have small circles uh, in both in, in, as a writer and as just as a human being. Um, I, I don't, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not big on, I don't join organizations. I don't, I'm not an awards guy. I don't care about any of that yeah. stuff. Uh, people that do got knock yourself out. It's whatever. It means I don't, I don't, I have my own thoughts on, you know, this Eric, I don't, you know, I, yeah. I don't like competition in the art. I don't think that's what it yeah. should be about. You know, it's um, funny. I, I agree with you. The, the only, area in which i disagree is i think that i should win that's all yeah. <laughs> well yeah if they're gonna get them out it's, i guess yeah well i think you know and i think that's why some people have been baffled by me in this in this particularly in the horror genre is that i it's sometimes i think taken as i'm being superior or i'm being it, it's nothing like i i they need to believe me when i say i really don't care yeah you're just i don't care you're, you're neutral I'm totally indifferent. I don't, yeah. I don't need an award to tell me that I'm a good writer. I, it doesn't matter to me. The only yeah. awards I've ever gotten that really meant something to me was I, I've got a couple of uh, Reader's Choice uh, awards that I got a couple yeah. of plaques oh, nice. that I have. Uh, th- those mean a lot to me because those came directly from readers. Yeah. You know, I don't need, uh, I just, I just don't need my peers to tell me how wonderful I am all the time. I just, I don't yeah. need that. And I don't mean that in a, I'm not trying to be a jerk. It's just, I don't, it, it's that, no interest to me. I, I like it when people like energy. what I do and they, they, we have, you know, we have common respect for each other and that's great. And that's, you know, and like I say, if that's your bag, great. Yeah. Knock yourself out. It's just well, so, no, Aaron, it's I, a terrible thing. I, 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 I agree. I totally. Uh, I was going to ask you, Al. I hate groups. I hate. Uh, <laughs> well, no, because because you have to form yourself to fit the group in the way exactly. that it's supposed to be. And in order for you to win anything, you have to follow the rules, so to speak. And and, and if you don't, you're accused of sour grapes. And there's, right. It's sort of a right. built in. There's a built in defense mechanism with that crowd, where. If you're critical, it's because, well, it's because sour grapes. But trust me. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. not jealous. I, I, I agree with, that. I agree with all me. of that. I, I, I just, I'm just not into it. Plus, a lot of times these groups make you feel bad about yourself, in my experience. I don't, they, well, they're never positive for me. See, part of the problem, it's, I, I liken it. It's not as bad. Because, listen, there's a lot of really good people in these groups and a lot of really good writers. Yeah. Let's not pretend that there isn't because there are and very good people too. Um, but I think there's, there's something common in my experience, my life experience with groups that runs kind of parallel to mobs and <laughs> yeah, yeah, mobs yeah. often start off. I don't mean the mob. Like we can talk about that too, if you want, but yeah, yeah. The, I mean, we'll, we'll get there. In a sec. We'll get there. Great. Um, <laughs> but you know, they, they generally start off very well-intentioned, but they're kind of doomed to, to, to become something besides that. And so for me, I just look at that and I, my biggest problem with it is I just don't see what that has to do 
with what I do. Right. If yeah, somebody yeah, else yeah. does, awesome. If you do and plenty of people do, and that's great. I, I really don't have anything against people that, that want to do that. It's just not my thing. I don't. It's, and it's I wish that I got the same amount of respect for that that, 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 that they demand that I give them. Right, um, right, right. You it's know, interesting. Uh, it exists in every field. It's like whether you're a dentist or an insurance salesman. You know, there's a club where you get together yeah. and you mix and you right. mingle and you give awards. And it's, I think it's part of the pro-social nature of our species, and it's fine. But like you said, it's not, uh, is the word endemic? It's not um, part and parcel of the trade. It has nothing to do with it. Well, yeah. And, and the other problem with it is, Eric, is that it becomes very insular in the sense that yeah. it becomes this little bubble where people start to believe that if you're not a part of that, you're somehow not really there. You're not really in the right. Like, you're not, you're the not the world the out there, you're kid, you know? Yeah. Are you kidding me? It's, it's like, there's an entire, you know, industry out there that's got nothing to do with what you're talking about. Exactly. So for me, it's just not about that. I I'm here to do my work, get my books out. And, and that's it. I'm here to, to write what I write. You know, people can throw whatever they want. I'm an artist. I I create art and I get on with my life. That being said, um, um, is it important to get good feedback from other writers for you? Like not not in a group set, but let's say some writer you you like yourself. Uh, You might Mm -hmm. not know them. And if they turn around and do a review on your book or give you a, you know, whatever, a four star or whatever they do, does that mean something? Listen, I'm always I'm always uh, pleased and flattered when somebody likes what I do. But I learned a long time ago to not take reviews and things like that. Don't 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 take the good ones. Don't you know? Don't don't take those too seriously. Don't take the bad ones too seriously either. Just you know, take them for what they are and move on. I mean, there are there writers that I respect and who, if they read something of mine, maybe ahead of publication or something, and they have. They offer some, sure, absolutely. There's people like that. It's not like I'm totally, you know, off on my own somewhere. But I mean, there's there's certainly other writers that I respect and that I there's plenty of them. Um, there are some that I've uh, given work to, and they've they've made it better. You know, I'm I'm certainly open to. I've worked with some great editors. I mean, I've, I'm always open to. You know, like I've said before, I, mean, I don't care if it's the the mailman. If you've got a good idea, I'll use it. I mean, it's you know. Yeah, the idea is to make the work better. If you can make it better, I'll make it better. And I, sure, there's other writers, but I mean, I don't have the, and I don't necessarily, I think if you're starting out, it's probably, there's pros and cons to the whole sort of group dynamic with that. I never did a lot of that. I did a lot more one-on-one. I was fortunate enough to have a couple of guys that were ahead of me in the business that saw something in me and kind of took me under their wing and, you know, guided me and gave me some excellent advice and, and that was good for me, you know, for other people, maybe a bigger group dynamic works for them. If it does, God love you. Go do that. But I've never really, that's never really interested me. And it's never really, I've never really, I don't feel I, I've really required it. New books, blue hell. Um, let's talk about the, the story. Where, where does a story like this come from for you? Like how, how does it, how does it, get into Greg's head? Are you sleeping one night or you see someone in a, 
in a bookstore or like where where does the the characters come from and and the storyline come from you know it's interesting usually for me it's the characters first the characters come to me and then if i listen to them their story how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. ...are kind of born out of them. Um, and that's where I get, you know, the plot comes from the character. But if you were to ask me where, you know, and I've been asked, anybody who's a writer that's been a writer for more than 10 minutes, you know, has answered the question, where do you get your ideas? You know, about a million times. And the honest answer is, I have no idea. I have no idea where they come from. I know that they come, and I know that they probably come from within me somewhere, but I don't really question it. I know the pieces that come from me that are definitely coming from me. Um, for me, it's initially more like a puzzle. I tend to, I very rarely have an idea or a concept. I think I've done it twice in my entire career. 20 plus years that I ever had an idea and sat down and started writing it. I, things, 
kind of nest in my mind for long, long periods of time, like usually several years. But when you say you listen um, to your characters, um, what kind of relationship do you have with your with your with your players? Depends on who they are. Depends on what what I'm doing. Um, it can be a little bit of everything. It can be friendly. It can be unfriendly. It can be you know tough. You know, a little somewhere a little easier. It just depends on what you're doing. Like Blue Hell, for example, is an interesting piece because I had a short story that I'd written called The Level at Night, and it was published years ago, and, and it's been published in, I don't know, like three or four anthologies. But I always thought there was more to it. Like, I always thought there was more to that story that I, you know, there was something, it was a decent story, I liked it, but I, I felt like there was, there was something more there. And so I wrote it again, and I wrote it up to a certain point, and then I kind of had an idea of like an ending, an end piece, but I didn't have anything in the middle. And I, it really stumped me for probably close to a year. And then I would, you know, put it aside, go back to it, put it aside. And I just, I couldn't seem to get that piece. And it's one of the few times I've ever collaborated because I wrote the, the book with Sandy DeLuca, who's a dear friend and an old friend of mine, I've known him since the 80s. She's a very accomplished artist and author herself. And I, I sent it to her and I just said, look, take a look at this. Is, it, is, is there anything here? <laughs> you know, what do you think? And she read it and she said, yeah, there's, there's definitely something here. She said, but you're missing the, I said, yeah, there's nothing in the middle here. There's, there's nothing to tie it all together. And she said, well, you know what? I have a piece. She, she had these, this, this, these characters and this, this piece of story that she had removed from a novel that she had written that didn't really fit in that novel. So she pulled it out and left it aside and it was just kind of laying around. She said, let me, play around it and see what I can do with it. And she kind of plugged it in and then sent it back to me. And it was perfect. It was like, God, there it is. There's the bridge. So I, we edited it and sort of, you know, cleaned it up and, you know, brought it all together, tied up all the, all the loose ends and it, and it, and it came together perfectly. And that was kind of a unique situation because I've never, I've never done that before. And it was, it was kind of two, two people just kind of getting in sync with it, you know? So it, Sometimes it comes together like that. Um, other times it just, like I say, the things just sit in my head for a long, long time. And then when it feels like it's ready to write, I write it. And I just go with it. I don't outline. I, I, I take notes. I have notebooks. Like I drive my wife crazy. I have notebooks all over the house. <laughs> um, so I'm always scribbling. Oh, wait a minute, I'll scribble something down so I don't forget. Um, but I, uh, you know, I don't really outline very, I, I do more notes. More, it's mostly continuity stuff because I don't like to, I like to know where I'm going, but I don't want to, uh, I don't want to be too rigid either. You know, I want to be able to still go in different directions if that I wasn't anticipating or, and again, to go back to listening to the characters, sometimes the characters want to, want to take you in a certain direction. You have, sometimes you want to ignore that and be disciplined. And other times you need to listen to them. You need to go in that direction. It just depends on, you know, it's, it's a kind of a, a piece by piece thing. I don't have like a blanket kind of way of doing it, I guess. Right. Right. So when you say method writing, so it's actually like being in the situation, being in the characters and going right. through with it. But, but how do you fit your subtext into it? Like, how does that, how, how do you get your characters to follow what you want them to do? Or as in the subtext, not necessarily as the, the main story. I think with the subtext, that's where the emotion is. And that's where, not that there's none in the surface athletes on there too, but 
But that's really where you have to deeply, deeply draw from yourself. And where it really does become method where you have to draw from your own experiences and try to find parallel things that can, or in some cases, things that are very, very close. And you try to, you know, you just try to draw from them. And, and it's, it's a balancing act because you don't want the subtext to, to ruin the surface either, you know? So you have to be careful. You have to be balanced. You have to have, they both have to exist, kind of coexist without, you know, screwing up the other one. You know, they have to kind of maintain on their own. But I think for me, it's just a matter of that's where I start to pull out the real deep stuff out of me. The, the pain that I'm exploring or whatever it is that I'm exploring, that's, that's where I put it. And if you do it in a way that complements the surface, you know, in other words, you don't want to disrupt it. That works for me. Uh, did you find that Sandy fit in well on the emotional side of things? Like you had intuit- an intuitive connection? <clears throat> um, we kind of have for a long time. We're like really good friends. Oh, nice, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think to a degree, um, she was really the, the perfect person to, to approach with it because Sandy is a very, very skilled uh, with surreal fiction. She's very, very good. Oh, wow. And that's kind of, her, kind of her thing. And so I, and this was, and Blue Hell is a very surreal, I mean, kind of David Lynch-esque kind of piece uh, where there's essentially three stories that are unfolding and you don't know how they're connected until the end. Hmm. Um, but her, her sensibilities as a writer were, were perfect for that, for that piece. And it sounds to me, the way, the way you described it, she held up the middle story. So it was, it was somewhat of a compartmentalized approach where you weren't under that pressure to sort of uh, pass it back and forth and blend your voices sentence by sentence, or am I misunderstanding that? Well, we kind of, well, yeah, generally, you're right. I mean, there, there was a point where we had to do that so that it had that flow. Yeah. You know, but it, it was a little bit, I know what you mean. It was a little bit later in the process where we could just sort of find that singular, you know, thing and then just, just sort of edit it together so that it, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's like magic. Uh, co- it, co- it looks, co- you know, yeah. there's, there's a way you're doing it, but it looks like it's, it's seamless. It's not, but it looks that way. Right. Right. So. Yeah. yeah but it always sounds to me because I've only, I've only co-written prose as a journalist with my wife, I've done it like 10 times where we just pass it back and forth, but there's a, a deep right. trust and mutual respect and it's pretty, pretty painless. But, uh, the idea of sitting in a room with a co-writer, especially with, with prose, I mean, I've done it a lot with screenplays, but, uh, which are, are kind of a lighter form in terms of the amount of verbiage, right. but the idea of being right. in a room and brainstorming and being like, all right, do we set this in a basement or do we set it in the hallway? <laughs> and it's like going every single thing. Like I think I would, I would lose my mind. Well, it's funny, you know, Ron, uh, you guys know Ronald Nelfi, who's a great writer, actually yeah. really good guy, good friend of mine. And we've been sort of knocking around a, a novel uh, back and forth for uh, geez, almost two years now. And we, we sort of work on it when we have time, which is not a lot. Um, and, you know, it's hard. It's hard. It's, it's I, I think we both, we, we have a similar kind of style and we have a, I have a great deal of respect for Ron. I know he respects me and we, we have a, you know, we can, we can, we've, we've found a thing that works, but it's, it's difficult. It's a much harder process to, to sort of go back and forth like that and find your footing, yeah. and make sure you're going to go in the right direction and do the right things. Blue Hell worked out a little bit better because it was, it was a shorter piece. And it was also a, even though it seems complex on the surface, once you get to, to, to the heart of it, you realize that it's a little bit more, uh, there's more, it's more sort of straightforward than you thought it was. 
And so it was a little bit easier to, to, to mesh the two together, you know, as, as opposed to what yeah. you're saying, where you had to do a whole lot of brainstorming and passing back and forth. We yeah. she understood what the concept was and basically fit her work to, to fill the hole that was missing in it. And oh, I mean, nice. without her, Blue Hell would have never been, it would have never even existed without her. So I'm grateful oh, to her. No, what you just said was key in, ter- in terms of her contribution. Cause also the other thing that could happen, I've seen this a lot as a ghostwriter because it's collaboration. So I've had to work with umpteenth people, but when right. it's under my, when it's under my own name and you're collaborating, you can make it functional. You can hammer it out. You can make it work. You can, you can blend it all together. But then there's the question of like what you're saying with Sandy or Ron, where they actually, you know, and I'm getting this implication from what you said about Ron, they actually enhance you and you enhance them. And that's an ideal oh, collaboration. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to like, you know, there's nightmarish collaborations where you feel like you're carrying the other person on their back or maybe you're hindering what they prefer to do, you know, so. Right. Um, well, to be honest, yeah. too, I, I've not done a lot of collab- collaborations because yeah. mostly because what I do is, is very precise. Yeah. And it's very uh, personal. Yeah. And so it's often very difficult to, to do that with somebody else. Oh, um, you're not kidding. Stay true, and stay true to that. You know, it's almost, uh, it's um, almost private on some level. It's like, you, then you yeah, suddenly have exactly. To, yeah. yeah. You suddenly yeah. have to like talk it out with some douchebag. It's like, Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it, there, it's not something I do with a lot of people. I mean, you and I have collaborated on some stuff, some, some yeah. screenplay stuff and stuff and that, that, that we were, I think we work very well together. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah. We always have a blast. I mean, yeah, it's, it's very, yeah, um, it's, it, I think it's because we're both operating with intuition and it's like a feeling we both are just like looking at it through our third eye. It's like, I oh, guys, I see what you're doing here. What if it was like this? Right. It's not like we, it's not like we have to roll up our sleeves and discuss every choice for two hours, which I, which really, which really came from <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Well, but also too, like you say, we're also dealing in a different area. So a novel, yeah. I think, yeah. the, not that I don't, th- I think we could do a novel together, but I think it would, it's oh, a likewise, lot more yeah. complicated. Yeah, it's more complicated. Then it becomes a question of like, there's always that question, which is, which is all well and good because we've done novels respectively. It's like. It would have to be just the right material and premise and, and structure where exactly. not only yep. do we complement each other, but we also lift each other up. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. not always easy to find, Eric. You know what I mean? That's, oh, no question in fact, about it. In fact, it's actually very hard to find. You know? Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's an intuitive, it, there has to be an intuitive bond. And I think trust is such a big part of it, too. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's Especially like with Eric. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you gotta watch him. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah, right. yeah, it's like yeah. Yeah. He'll be he'll be publishing it beforehand with his name on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just wrote I just wrote the intro to one of Al's books and I had to like I had to just not move past page three because I wanted to rewrite the whole thing. I yeah. Said, I'll, 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 I'll do it his way, I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, you were kind enough to write the Journal Stone did a, a fifteen year anniversary edition of uh, the bleeding season. Yeah, uh, in 2018, and speaking of, since these names came up, Ron wrote was kind enough to write the introduction to that one, and you were kind enough to write the afterward. Yeah, which was awesome. Uh, and that that book is a total is a full blown classic. I mean, it's uh, spellbinding. Thank so you. It was, it was my pleasure. And, and Al also let there be no mistake. It was my honor too and, and with you as well. That's why he called me insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, in a bad way. You know, no, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's the highest form of compliment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, okay, let's let's move to your God Machine. Um, uh, one thing I noticed about the God Machine, okay, so it's in the hotel room and all that, and, and the prostitute uh, takes her own life. Uh, do you make the actual scene 
a character in itself? Um, I like, think to a degree that's fair. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that God Machine was kind of a marriage of two concepts. There was a, uh, there's a, the God Machine was actually a real thing. Um, there was a guy, John uh, Murray Spear, who in the 1850s was a, depending upon who he asked, was either a charlatan or a, a prophet. Uh, he was from Massachusetts. I believe they were doing it in Lynn. It was a big time for spiritualism and all that. He supposedly he claimed that these angels came to him and told him how to build this machine uh, from metal and, and wood. And if, they, if, he, if he stuck to the blueprint, the machine would come to life and it would literally summon God. And I always thought that that concept was, I remember reading about it, you know, a few years back and I just thought, Jesus, that's really good stuff. There's <laughs> some way I could use that. And I never really, you know, had anything that, that I could come up with. And then I had another concept where I wanted to write a story about loss and an anti-war thing too. Um, I had seen a, an interview with a, a couple who had, their only child, their son had just been shipped back in a box from Iraq. And these people were just so devastated. There was this, of course, but I mean, the, and I remember the mother was, I don't, I've never seen anyone that broken, just so visibly just destroyed. And the father was the same, but there was something with him too, that there was something else. There was this, there was this rage in him and it wasn't anger. I mean, I'm talking rage. And I remember there was someone that was talking to him. I don't know if it was a reporter or someone that was presenting them with whatever the hell it was, but essentially they kept saying the, you know, the standard lines of, well, thank you for your, you know, your son's service. And, and every time they would say stuff like that, this guy would kind of twitch. And I thought if they don't stop this, this guy's going to choke this guy, you know, <laughs> and it was just heartbreaking. And I thought they, they ended it and they went right back. And then they went on to some other story. And I thought, Jesus, we're at a point where essentially children, these are 18, 19, 20 year old kids are coming home in boxes or they're coming home without their legs. They're coming home without their arms. They're coming home with their minds. They're completely just broken. That's if they're lucky. They're still alive. I mean, we're dropping these kids into these meat grinders and, 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 and yet we're able, somehow we've gotten to a point as a society where we can just kind of say, Oh boy, that's too bad. Anyway, what's for dinner? Yeah, yeah. That that's just okay with us. Somehow we're not demanding that this needs to stop this sort of wholesale slaughter of our children. And that I wanted to do something with that. And so that's where with God Machine, the, the one story, the, the, the surface story is about a cop who loses his daughter, his only child, he and his wife, to a roadside bomb in, in Iraq. And uh he, as a result, he becomes an alcoholic, loses his career as a, as a policeman, and ends up as the security, uh, essentially, you know, basically a, a more or less a security guard in a, in a less than five-star, let's say, Cape Cod Hotel. And, uh, you know, this young woman who's a prostitute who's clearly in trouble and needs somewhere to stay, and he sort of takes pity on her and sees 
not so much his daughter, but his daughter would have been that age. And he sees this sort of, you know, maybe I can help. I couldn't help my daughter. Maybe I can help her. And when she commits suicide, and she does so in an extremely violent and grisly way. And it's very ritualistic and things written on the wall and blood. And it's way, you know, just insane. And he decides, he sort of embarks on this journey to, to find out what happened and why she did this and to make sense of her death because he can never make sense. He can never reconcile his daughter's death. Um, and it's really about his pain and his wife's pain. It's about loss. It's about all of those things. But then there's this underlying thing. And the, the deeper he goes into trying to find out what happened to this, this prostitute, he gets into some very dark uh, areas and, and against some very dark people into some very, very bad, dark, evil things. And I don't want to give too much of the book away, but the God machine concept figures into that later on but it's um that was a marriage of both of those things um did, did you have so struggle was, with that yourself like the the occult and that sort of thing is that sort of sort of something that you've had personal experience with that's why it's there i i will say this i'm a christian um i'm catholic i'm italian it's the law um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not practicing. I haven't been several years. Um, I have been, I have never been into the occult into with, with, uh, in, you know, quotations. Yeah. Um, I have been around it. Um, I have seen what it can do to people. Um, so to a degree, yes. Um, and I've known loss. And so this was a way to kind of hopefully purge some of those things. But yeah, I think there's a, there's a, you know, it depends on what you're talking about. There's, there's, there's a kind of casual, uh, you know, like it's like some of the Satanism that's around now is kind of like, okay, I guess you could call it that. (laughs) Um, But but, um, there's a difference between that. And there are some very, very dark forces in this world. If you don't think there are, you just, you just, you need to get out of the house more. Um, and you can label them however you like, but I think, you know, dealing with that kind of thing is, is a whole different, it's a whole different level. Um, whatever you want to assign it to, you know, evil absolutely exists. Now, however you want to define that, however you want to, whatever box you want to put that into or category or heading you want to give it, feel free. But, um, yeah, it's something that I think I've I've seen to a degree. I don't want to really get into a whole lot of stuff, but no, no. Yeah. there's there's some things that I have seen. Sure, yeah, and I mean, I, I think it's the, the 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 short answer is yes. Okay, we're, so we're so with this particular book, uh, what do you think you wanted people to get out of it? Was it the connection with loss? I I, I hope so. I, I mean. I mean, look, I mean, if, if, first of all, I hope it's entertaining. I hope people like it. I hope they enjoy it. That's the number one thing. Cause I think if you don't have that part of it, you, you, you're never, you know, people aren't going to stick around long enough to get, if you're, if there's some other deeper point, you know, if, if, if they're not going to be there long enough to get it, if you don't have them with that. So, but yeah, I hope so. I mean, you know, I think you always hope for that. You know, I mean, you never really know when that's going to hit. I mean, I remember I, I, I wrote a book uh, called living in the dead a few years back and 
you know, it was a, one of the characters was a, a Vietnam vet who was badly damaged from mentally from, from that. And I based some of that. My dad had some issues from his combat experiences and I based it him, you know, some of his things on that. And I got this letter about a year after the book came out from a Vietnam vet who uh, said that he was, that the book really helped him. And that, that character really kind of spoke to him and, it, and he saw himself in this character and he, it really, it really helped him with some of the things he was struggling with. And I mean, that to me, like at that point I can retire, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, okay, well then, you know, I don't know how you top that, but that was so moving to, to think that something that I did could, could, could have that kind of a profound effect on somebody. So you hope that it does. If, if this helps somebody that's experienced loss, um, if it helps them in some way, great. I, I hope so. Um, but, you know, you can't ever really, you never know. But you ho- I, I certainly would hope so. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so yourself, let's talk about, uh, now if people want to get a hold of you, do you have your own website? Um, you know, I do have one. I don't know what... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell the address is. Um, well, I don't do it. So okay. it's out there. Some WordPress. I don't know. I need to get one. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm more like I'm on social media. People can find me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I, uh, I'm on, uh, what the hell's the other one? Instagram. I just, I just went on there. I, I tried. I have to, I had to start my third Instagram account because the yeah. first two. I'm glad to to, so. yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. So that was a pain, but, um, yeah. Well, we'll yeah, so I mean, I'm on social media. I'm available on uh, my email is uh, gfgauthor at horizon.net. I'm available that way. Um, well, we'll make sure it's all up there. We'll we'll f- figure it out. We'll find you, and we'll put it up yeah, on our website great. so people can find you easier. Um, how we also have uh, giveaways. Yeah, I was going to say we have some giveaways um, now. Uh, I guess your your publishers, uh, two different ones, have agreed. Um, so if um, I guess the first um, three emails I get will uh, get the um, – well, actually, you know what? We'll take in the first eight emails we get uh, with your name and, a, and address. Uh, we will send you a copy of uh, one of uh, the two new books, uh, either The God Machine or Blue Hell. So that's, uh, that's a pleasure, I'm sure – I'm sure that'll go real fast. Yeah, and I want to thank uh, Crossroad and Macabre Inc., which is their paperback edition uh, or division, for for those, and also Journal Stone uh, for the uh, uh, Blue Hell copies. A couple of great publishers I've worked with for a long time. And hmm. Thank you to them. How is the COVID? Does it affect your writing? Um, you know, it really hasn't altered. I mean, I kind of miss going out. I miss going to bars because you know I time to drink now and then yeah. um, <laughs> um but uh i i miss that but um luckily i have one in my house um but I, I i don't yeah i mean not really i i you know it's kind of an uh i have an office in my in my home so i you know it hasn't really altered a, a hell of a lot my wife has been working from home for a long time and that's that's been kind of nice to have her home wow. but um no not really i mean other than it affects you know being able to i miss people yeah, I Some just people, thought because you're, you're 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 pretty, um, 
you're in touch with emotions and, and really putting them in your book. So I, I was just wondering when it's really dark like that, you know, like the last year with all the stuff going on, if it, if it would make you write even darker or, or get more emotional. You know, probably I, 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 yes and no. I, I wrote mostly through that last year. I wrote, uh, uh, a novel called The Gypsy Moths. It's going to be. Um, I'm actually just waiting on the contract. It's. it's uh, it'll be out in December. Um, and that's a little both. It's a very dark piece, but it's also a very hopeful piece. Um, but, and yeah, I would say that it. But I would say during that, this last sort of era, starting with Midnight Gods, as Eric talked about. I, yeah, I think it's definitely. I've tried not to make it all about that but it's to say that it would hasn't influenced it in some ways would be silly yeah i mean sure okay well it's been a great hour um we appreciate you taking the time and and oh my pleasure and talking to us um our author our guest has been author greg f gafoon thank you for being here thanks thanks for having me thanks so much greg it was good talking to you to find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.
I'll be back.